The Chakkar. My name is Karan Madhok and I'm the editor and co-founder of The Chakkar. TheChakkar.com is an Indian arts review, a celebration of India's artistic creativity, where we publish writing on Indian music, film, literature, theater, art, sports, and much more. We also publish creative work like poetry, fiction, photography, original art, etc. In this episode, I will interview a number of guests on recent trends in music, literature, and film and TV from India and abroad. In conversation today with Saurabh Sharma, Adi Manral and Pratik Santram, we will analyze books by Wendy Doniger and Sophia Naz, listen to music by Dot, and discuss Lagan for the film's 20th anniversary year. So strap in and let's go around the chakkar. So I welcome Saurabh Sharma for the very first time to the What's the Chakkar podcast. Saurabh is a very regular contributor to the chakkar. He's written, I don't know, half a dozen, maybe more articles for us. So you mentioned that you have picked uh, the new Wendy Doniger book and it's, um, yeah. I mean, this is great. This is like, it's something that I've really been looking forward to reading myself. I read, you know, her big book uh, on Hinduism, I think it was called, uh, or, or yeah. was it called the On the Hindu, something like that, which is basically a masterpiece of uh, dissecting like uh, the alternative history of Hinduism and really like annoying people about in a way <laughs> on the way doing it. Yeah. So um, I guess it was banned in India. It was banned in India and, and the copy that yeah. I have is like, it's just filled with me, like um, underlining things, starring things, you know, like sometimes I, I read like that. Um, so uh, first of all, my before you talk about this particular book, I want to ask, have you read the previous book, the the, the banned book? I haven't so read say? anything. This is my first. Okay. Wendy. Yeah. So let's talk about it. What is the title of this book and why did you choose to, uh, to read so, it? Um, it's titled Wing Stallions and Wicked Mares, Horses in Hindu. In Indian myth and history, uh, very intriguing. So I am a huge fan of creative nonfiction. I, I write mostly uh, CNF too. So uh, interesting subjects appeal to me. I'm a huge fan of John Didion and John McPhee because I guess these are the writers who have you know really uh, uh, pushed the boundaries in in terms of journalism and you know, creative nonfiction. So I was really interested and intrigued by the title and. Um, even Wendy also mentions this particular book, which was released earlier uh, this year, but I haven't had the time to read it. It is by Yashasvini Chandra, The Tale of the Horse, A History of India on Horseback. So these are really uh, like intriguing subjects, you know, looking at the history from, um, can, shall I say, equestrian viewpoint. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and uh, uh, I mean, I was really looking forward to the span that Wendy would take us through and uh, what would be the argument and uh, it's the story, it's, it's, it's big myths, you know, brief uh, stories about horses in India, you know, the nature and the culture. It starts uh, right from the Indus Valley and it, it and same critiques uh, about horses in modern India. I have a few bookmarks, I'll be going to read some of the stuff. But I'm just going to give you a brief historical background of the book. She started writing the book in 1986. Wow. Right? Uh, and uh, after 10 years, she dropped the whole, like, ultimately the idea of the book. In 97, uh, she was developing, she writing the book, Radha Krishna Lectures. Uh, and 
suddenly I got the book in 2017. So I started working on the book, and it was first published uh, by the University of Virginia Press, uh, US this year, and then the Indian edition came out in Speaking Tiger. Um, so you can say that um, it was it was not a short span of time that Wendy has done, and you know she has not invested. Uh, uh, you know, let's say when when I start like we start working on a particular book and then we look at you know, two, three, four years that we spent. But if you see from that point of view, from 1986 to 2021, a lot of editing has to be done into the book, right? And a lot of stories must have changed. The narratives must have changed. Um, those, she must have found, you know, uh, again, uh, mammoth historical accounts, which she has. Fascinating pictures. Uh, she has a story of uh, Baz Bahadur and Rani Rupmati. I'm not sure if you've heard about the Malwa uh, rule in the central uh, India. Uh, there was this uh, Rani Rupmati. She was very uh, you know, gorgeous. And you know, there was this battle of Malwa wherein Baz Bahadur and they are shown uh, in a particular painting, uh, 1800 CE. There's an Indian miniature in National Museum, New Delhi. So uh, all these stories that are related to horses and how you know Britishers took it, how the environment of horse breeding is not there in India, not is in India, and then uh, early documentations from you know Kipling's father's time, how they used to view and uh, the the most of reliance on colonial sources, she sorts of uh, you know bashes the colonial. Uh, you know, argument of how horses should be bred and how, you know, um, like, so uh, the, her, her whole point is to bring everything in perspective without judging. So she doesn't flag it for the reader that, you know, uh, it, it is history as is. And to pick a phrase, it is nitty of the actual prayer and training of horses in India. She, uh, she also presents a uh, and Ashwa Shastra, in which it was mentioned how, you know, there's an equestrian caste system mm. there in, uh, there is anatomy of horses, good and bad physical characteristics, all these are stated, and you know, how the smell of a horse should be shadows, characters, gentle, sattva, and uh, how they should be trained, latched, bashed, everything is mentioned, and uh, all those yagyas that you know rishis used to perform, the role horses played in those uh, stories, and of course we all know Indra was a mischievous character. So there, there are particular stories where you know uh, Indra has created a havoc uh, during those uh, yagyas where Raja is performing, and there's a there's a particular breed that has to be sacrificed of horses. Mostly salians were regarded as uh, heroes. And mares were regarded as villains, and that that is in context to uh, Rig Veda. Uh, and she picks a lot from Sanskrit, uh, but but she but but her account is uh, to me interesting thing was it is it has deeply rooted sexual innuendos. All those stories mm. had to do with a lot about sexuality, a lot about sexuality. Mm -hmm. And all those stories were filled with erotic. I mean, I, I, I would say there, there, there were several erotic stories. There is this one tale, and I'm just reading out from the text. Yeah. Once when Utanka was wandering in the desert, he saw a naked Chandala. 
a Dalit tribal hunter surrounded by dogs. The Chandala invited Otanka to drink the copious fluids that were coming out of his penis. Hmm. Horrified, Otanka refused and the Chandala disappeared. Whereupon Krishna appeared and told Otanka that the Chandala was in fact Indra in disguise and that the fluid coming out of him was a Soma juice that would have made Otanka immortal. There, see, uh, there are so many stories like this in Indian mythology, which, you know, yes. which sort of the, the modern interpretation just pretends to ignore. But like Indian mythology is just filled with these like stories of sexual innuendo and like magic and how, like sex basically runs a lot of decision making. A lot. Absolutely. <laughs> so, Absolutely. So I wanted to ask like, you know, now for someone who is not particularly interested in uh, equestrian issues in horses or for someone who is, you know, I mean, obviously for, for, for people who are looking at it from a general Indian knowledge perspective, right? What I know about the history of horses in India, why it's specifically important is that horses or these type of horses, especially when are not native to India, they basically came from uh, central Europe or, uh, or somewhere further beyond. And it sort of proves the fact that even the so-called Aryan tribes, which we claim to be are native to Indians, are also quote unquote invaders to India. Basically, India is filled with absolutely. So, so even even Hinduism may have been, or, or 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 the forms of Hinduism that are in our mythologies might be a religion that is not native to us. You know, and I, I, I think that's about you know. I mean, I've read that in Wendy's former work. I've read that in Tony Joseph's former other work like that. Yeah. So. Is that a major crux of her argument in this book as well? Is that something that she centers in, or or that she's taking? Is she taking not really looking at that that much? Sure, so, and answering parts. The first one, someone who's not interested in you know reading about horses, and that's someone. Mm-hmm. I, I just read it out of curiosity because it it uh, and there is never a singular narrative in history. I would say that whenever you're looking at history, the way your viewpoint will determine what are you going to care, mm-hmm. right? When you have a viewpoint that is encompassing of all the nuances, all the uh, differences, all counter narratives, then that would be a rich argument. So, mm-hmm. and that's what uh, Wendy does here. Mm-hmm. She she takes into this account that there is no singular form of storytelling, and even if you're telling history, it's a form of a storytelling, right? Mm-hmm. So it also depends upon who the storyteller is. I, I had this discussion when somebody was saying that, you know, I'm not interested in somebody white writing about India. So it's it's not really about somebody white writing about India. She came to India when she was 22 and in 1963, right? Somebody who is deeply invested in a story should be able to tell it, right? And that's about it. So, uh, and, and she does debunks this myth that uh, we are the native breeders of horses, a particular uh, time, no, that's not true. Even she, in fact, cites a particular breed that is getting, that is endangered in Northeast. I'm just going to pull it up. So, Britishers are in fact discovered a breed of Manipuri horses that mm. played polo brilliantly. Wow. Uh, tough, hooved, hardy ponies, then barely 11.2 hands high. That's, I'm just quoting verbatim from the book. In 2005, the Manipur Horse Riding and Polo Association opened a heritage park hoping to prevent the extension of the breed and to promote them to growers. The, the whole idea of sustaining culture is somebody should be, you know, deeply attached to that preserving. If somebody is not, then you're going to lose our breeds like this one. The association started forming in 2005. 
and i'm telling you that when we started working on this book in 1986 she's yeah. almost steady with the text so do you see the um, the the decades that we have lost in like preserving and conserving even if you took so taking pride on the origin is not i guess for me the uh, you know primary uh, uh, contest It, mm-hmm. uh, the contest for me is: Are you able to sustain it? Yeah, that's the whole point. You can always say, "Oh, it's originated from here." So if we, if it originated from here, then become the world leader, or let's say at least try to present that image that you have actually cared for a particular culture. Uh, all I see is hegemonization and heterosexualizing stories. Mm-hmm. I I really loved Wendy's arguments, and all there there was there was never. Uh, a binary viewpoint here. Mm-hmm. Uh, these stories, uh, if you see uh, the whole, uh, the whole uh, structure um, uh, of storytelling was never to have a fixated uh, viewpoint from oh this particular. That's always true. Mm-hmm. We 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 just I I've just narrated the tale of a uh, Dalit Chandala uh, from there, you know, and and it was a very fluid story. Nobody is focusing on who. Like there is no emphasis on a man and a woman. So that is never forced. so uh, the these were the things uh, that that got me interested in into the book and of course very intriguing stories and uh, it's sort of uh, um, i am not sure about the white uh, women argument but but she sort of puts things in perspective that you see that decolonization happening you see that hold from the white people a narrative she is in fact i guess she's informing us that you gave it to us Mm-hmm. In, in, so a, that is very interesting for me. So uh, I'm I'm yet to read Yash Yashini Chandra's work, so I cannot comment uh, what interesting things I would I would be able to find here. And, I think you will uh, she, uh, because you know because you stressed how much you enjoyed like the fact that she uh, that she took you know sort of alternative. viewpoints that she she moved away from like like the heterosexual viewpoints in some ways yeah. or or like or she, or she sort of made like the caste centric viewpoints in, in um yes. in that story i think you will really yes. enjoy the her previous book the hindus and alternative history because it oh. is it, it really takes like it, it's in the title when when she means an alternative yeah. history she's giving a history of hinduism that isn't necessarily passed on by what the brahmanical teachings have taught told us over the years it's is basically she's giving us an all encompassing history from the bottom up it's uh, and uh, you know in terms of like a, a white woman writing the story you know what it'll be it'll be ideal if an indian person wrote the story but if 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 there if we aren't doing it someone has to do it someone has to preserve the history it is no story and she's doing it in a good way so uh, well sorab uh, thank you for sharing I, i'm definitely interested having read her previous work and you know as someone who doesn't who probably won't be able to tell you the difference between two kinds of horses like ever uh, <laughs> I, i would still be interested in this just because of um, of like the historical scholarship that i know she's probably put in it yes i, yeah. I did something very different to what i usually do on this podcast like normally i talk about fiction non fiction i decided to do a poetry collection uh, for this month um i've recently reviewed uh, sofia naz's uh, collection open zero um and um just published that review on the chakkar so i thought you know it'd be perfect to talk about it too uh so it, open zero was published by yoda press this year and it's her fourth uh poetry collection uh she's actually you know she's a poet author editor translator she's been nominated twice for the pushcart prize 
so for it created non fiction as a poetry she's like she's a pretty big deal and she's uh, i think she's got roots and she she's american now but i think she was she's immigrated from pakistan and she grew up in karachi and so so she sort of a lot a lot of her poetry is very influenced by the, uh, the subcontinent um you know she in in the introduction to this collection she credits basically there were these big california wildfires where she lives and there was a fire that basically burned her home in sosalito it burned her home in sosalito to the ground um and so she sort of quote unquote credits this fire to be that gave to give presence to the poetry in this collection uh she you know a lot of the poems are about themes of loss and emptiness um and then also something what fire does like also themes of starting over after something is empty you can start again right uh in her intro she actually writes very beautifully she says that the fire precipitated an unexpected side effect an almost giddy feeling of lightness for a brief period i experienced the allure of shunyata or emptiness shunya the sanskrit word for zero comes from the root sui meaning hollow it was an ancient indian idea to place the value on this void so so she's placing value on the void void of what the fire has taken away you know um in my review today like i wrote about you know how she's able to find beauty in sort of this idea of nothingness um but then when i mean nothingness i don't mean you know the the vacuum i mean the, the restart or you know from a zero point uh, one of the things she does really well is that she reduces us as humans like our humanity level to to nothingness and, and or not to nothingness but to the level of everything else in nature so so in her collection like humans are on the same pedestal as dew drops or trees or whatever else is in nature you know uh, yeah like uh, like human life is as meaningful or meaningless as anything else you know um so i'll read an example of this it's from this poem called the fault of light um one of my favorite poems there buried in the paper sorry uh, buried in in the bed of paper after she had gone up river i shook the silence from their tales who would not want to hear the thoughts of a pressed flower but all i found was rambling what do i do smitten with dust of obscure beauty the fault of light forced to bend spoon and mouth mute forever she ha- she has this really like wonderful way um this poem did not the one that I just read didn't, didn't have it as much but she has this wonderful way of like using puns and turns of phrases and wordplay between languages so she'll mix around english urdu other sanskritized languages you know um there's another poem called mother tongues where she says should i gaze this dhaka muslin today say mal mal gaze glaze hominum him in kabir's cadence over an earthen plot of amputated thumbs warp and weft pour from the cleft mandible as tomb sanctum sanctorum womb of wombs mother tongues ferment so you can hear that soft musicality you know and like how she's sort of messing with the with, with like languages with the words a little bit um the the womb part obviously reminds me like there's a lot of a lot in this poem about womanhood and particularly like yeah. women's body for change in the natural world and of earth um she has also themes of uh, her she has actually a whole section that's about the south asian background um mm-hmm. about her uh, sort of youth in karachi of the influence of partition and just the burden of history that is on all south asians mm-hmm. um there are some beautiful and but also very damning poems about being an immigrant in the us and like the sort of viewing the us from the eyes of an outsider um yeah i i really enjoyed this collection overall and even though you know uh, i mentioned in my review the wordplay sometimes felt 
a little bit too cheeky as if she was like she was showing off how good she is with with the words she's like I, like I, i can take one word and do six things with it or like you know um yeah. but that's like a very small thing like the poetry is very beautiful it's very affecting and it really does what like the best poetry does it sort of create created this you know flashes and images that 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 stayed with me long after i finished it um i'll sort of end you know like I, 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 this is what i wrote about the the collection in my review um she has a way of disturbing our vantage points forcing us as humans to consider being recentered in our place in the world in in some other poems the readers are brought within tactile distance to the sup of trees the old factory of octopuses or the threads of spiders webs nature seems to be in command but it's unsympathetic to human motivations so it's it is really one of those um, collections that i felt you know i don't read as much poetry as i feel as i should but this reminded me like shit i need to read more poetry like it can really like move you you know it it definitely so i recently finished reading this uh, poetry uh, anthology from animate press animate mm. press is a uk based press it started in the pandemic the mm. sun isn't out enough okay. i have just uh, submitted uh, the review of the book and uh, i'm just blown away by the sheer talent of poets to you know mm. try different things I, i i read somewhere somebody is like if you want to uh, you know do something with language you want to understand it the core you know start reading or learning poetry yeah and that felt so hard hitting because when i read the collection it everything um, like in, as you said the impact of the oldest words so that imagery stays with you mm-hmm. and what about the, the musicality point yeah. i the best of poets you use this as very clever and i mean yeah. of all those people who can create that those sounds uh, and effect with uh, words but yeah i mean never write poetry this much and mm-hmm. not poetry this much yeah i would I recommend uh, open zero or, or sophia's work if you can get your hands on it but saurabh uh, i won't take any more of your time thank you so much for joining us on this episode of what's a chakkar where can we find more of your work obviously a lot of your work has been published on our website uh, where else can listeners find your work where else can they follow you I mean, I upload everything on Instagram and Twitter. So, but my uh, reviews are published in Business Standard, mm-hmm. Money Control, Newsplate. So, yeah, anywhere. Uh, queer specific works are all published on Gazi. So you can follow if, if in particular somebody wants to have have recommendations, uh, want to have recommendations for queer stuff, they can go to uh, Gazi page. and i think by the time um or maybe even before this interview comes out uh, your most recent piece uh, i think you wrote a piece about law like love for us on the chakra law like love yeah yeah so that'll be out too so please look forward to that saurabh thank you so much for joining us and take care thank you karan so prateek santram is here uh, prateek welcome back to the podcast uh, so uh, we sort of settled on a movie that celebrated its 20th anniversary this year one of the most uh, important movies made in indian cinema lagan uh, which was released in 2001 so you know i actually hadn't seen lagan since that first time so since it came out 20 years ago oh. i watched it in a movie hall <laughs> single screen the way it's meant to be seen to be honest you know yeah. uh, we'll talk yeah. about that later but um, so uh, lagan was written and directed by ashutosh gowarikar uh, starring amir khan gracie singh rachel shelley and paul and paul blackthorn is the first ever pro- uh, project of american productions and you know it, it he went on to make so many oh, great yeah. films after that 
uh, it was made at a huge budget at the time which is basically the most expensive bollywood film at the time until then and the plot is more or less it's 1893 in this village called champaner which is i guess is supposed to be in some they don't specify they just in middle of india some somewhere in madhya pradesh i know the film was probably shot in gujarat right um, gujarat in, in bhuj actually where there were the earthquake hit a few months later in, okay you know the movie was a big hit it went on to be uh, it went on to become only the third indian film ever to be nominated for an academy award for best foreign language film so for me that was it like b- b- the, that's all i think about lagan like i lagan oscar sponsor yeah you know that was the whole thing right <laughs> let me ask you have you had you rewatched it a lot was this like tiresome for you to rewatch because this film is pretty long and it it is it feels it is. kind of dated right it does so uh, full confession i did not watch it in the theater originally when it came out mm. uh, for two reasons um, actually i was very surprised because amir khan at that time had started transitioning into like these serious well not maybe not serious roles but at least you could see that he is becoming more of an actor and, le- and doing less of like the usual trope uh, films so when i heard about that he's doing a movie on like uh, some sort of indian independence i i the details were out there yet so i was like okay this is going to be pretty serious this is going to be like a serious film about like uh, a revolt i i wasn't sure what year this was this is towards the end of the 19th century when i found out this this was a cricket the the the, the whatever the the issue is resolved by a cricket cricket match i actually didn't believe it i was like no way i mean that is so silly that is such a silly story yeah and and on the face of it it is it, it's like a I won't say a kids movie but it is a very simplistic film where oh there's a problem let's solve it by playing a uh, sport but I think I actually got around to watching it much much later uh, I think the first time I watched it was about 5 years ago so really? in its entirety wow in in, in its entirety uh, it is the same but I hadn't watched it originally but what what I have heard and this we'll probably talk about is that when it was released in theaters what I heard is that the last hour and a half of the movie was actually like a, like watching a real cricket match it was it was uh, electric and i i i just want to add to this because you mentioned how you know around this time amir khan was shifting into doing more serious roles what is amazing is that within 6 weeks of the release of lagan dil chahta hai was released which is yeah. a completely <laughs> different personality it's a fun friends movie it's a comedy uh, it's a romantic comedy so the fact that he made lagan and dil chahta hai i would say two movies that really like people will you know people of our generation we consider some of the most important movies ever made uh mm-hmm. within 6 mm-hmm. weeks they were released that's uh, obviously he didn't direct either of them but the fact that he has was a star in both of them is is just incredible like w- what a year he had between between uh, be- uh between these two films right um so th- this is a cricket movie and it's very much uh, mm-hmm. but but it's also a a movie that sort of uh, has has these themes of uh, colonialism basically is based on all this like very terrible racist english officers were treating the indians really badly who, who are taxing the king and then the king in turn is taxing the farmers they have no food so there there's very serious issues and the, in my you know cuz when it came out i watched it as a teenager so i didn't really think about it much but the, uh, i could feel the urgency of why it's, it was mm-hmm. even though you said it's simplistic it's like almost a kid movie but i could feel this urgency of, of why they had to win this game because like mm-hmm. literally their right. the, the stakes were really high kachra <laughs> कभी जीतने के लिए पांच दौड़ बाकी है तुझे गेंद सीमा पार करनी होगी कचरा नहीं तो तीन गुना लगान 
सबकी जिंदगी तोरे हाथ में कचरा कुछ कर कचरा कुछ कर but actually watching it uh, i also wondered why they attended to the oscars but that was without watching the film mm. but when i actually did get around to watching the film and this was as a more mature person i guess so i wasn't like taken in i guess if i had watched the movie then i would have been taken in by cricket because i was a huge cricket yeah. buff at that time but i would have i would have been more taken in by the film but even like even though i know what's going to happen right <laughs> in the film uh, we've all seen seen that part but even when i when i watched it in its entirety for the first time i was like I also felt like oh this is a, not a live match but this is like something worth cheering for or uh, so it is, it is actually a very well made film and you're right like the urgency is there but why they need to win and it is set up against a very very something that happened very uh, frequently and uh, that is a very real thing that happened where they yeah. would uh, tax literally tax the farmers to death yeah for, for for those who don't speak hindi lagan literally means agricultural task uh, tax tax the the, the the film is a sports movie but actually in my rewatch i realized it is way more than that you know it is it is about uh, the the tax and like the farmers and and like basically the racism what what i didn't pick up cuz i guess again as a kid you know you just don't pick up these things you're like you, you, the the good guys are so good is that the indians are on they are so we are so racist back to the white people like it is just <laughs> I, i would have been uncomfortable watching this movie with like uh you know a white friend because like they are because the characters are giving it back you know uh so yeah but whatever like they are they are farmers they've been treated badly so <laughs> it's kind of uh, i think the lot of lines are put there to get the the cheers the, the cheap cheers from the crowd you know and actually like this is a testament to like uh, amir khan's greatness as an actor mm-hmm. is when this movie was shot i was reading interviews and all i didn't watch the movie but i was reading interviews and so when i rewatched the film also this time around i was kind of thinking about what he had said mm-hmm. and he had said that i had to unlearn cricket mm-hmm. because as as most like indian kids well at least yeah. in our generation especially yeah. you knew cricket like you knew yeah. cricket you know how you to hold the bat cricket. properly even before you exactly. know how to ride a bicycle or like you know walk properly you know how to hold a cricket bat and and amir khan the exactly. way he held it was like it 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 bothered me the whole time ki kaise khel raha but that's how it was you know <laughs> that's how it was and this is what i'm saying it's very difficult to like unlearn something like that and as he had said that and uh, it was really well done and uh just not him like this this is star cast the, the ideas that they came up with and yes it's very convenient that oh they get get a uh, really great bowler or yeah. there's one guy who can bowl really well without knowing how to bowl mm. or they get that one guy who knows about cricket just at the right yeah. time yeah. uh and amir khan just turns into this amazing batsman because yeah. he knows how to play other sports that way so of course it's very convenient mm. that way but it's it's really well done it's like a motley crew of like all all the 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 literally a rag and tag uh, sort of team <laughs> who get together and then you know take on the big guy so so another another reason why like this movie and dil chahta hai was so important and i'm going to comment on what you just said is that i think lagan sort of signaled the end of you know the over dramatic cliched bollywood in in the end like so what you said like mm. something's very predictable so much of this film was just like they, they were checking the cliche boxes there were a lot of like religious mm. dance scenes which were in every movie yeah. they they were like they had to be love triangle which is in every movie they had to be you know um american made sure have a strong religious angle but also a strong diversity angle you know they mm-hmm. were they were, they were sikh characters muslim characters there's a very important low caste character and I, and i think like and the convenience with which the protagonist you know the, the things went happily for the protagonist was almost taken out of the playbook of big budget bollywood films you know whereas mm-hmm. from um, 
a lot of people look at Dil Chata Hai, which came out as I said just six weeks later, as the film that kind of changed Bollywood. You know, it 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 yeah, it, it took yeah. a big big stars, big budget, a big movie, but which was kind of had the feeling of an independent film because they were doing things hard, mm. they were doing things differently. So so that's how mm. I like Lagan almost feels like uh like the end of the nineties. You know, like the way the it came Correct. out two thousand one, but it was the last sort of gasp of the light nineties in a way. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and as you said, you know, the film is um, uh, it's a cricket film. Like they had to win this game to get the agriculture task uh, uh, tax off for three years. So one of the things I noticed, yeah. the reason this tax is put in the very beginning, is because the king requests the Englishman for the other village to have access to the temple. Or, or, or the mm. the villagers to have access to temple. The Englishman says, "I'll do it, but you have to eat this meat first." And the king is vegetarian. Yeah. So yeah. basically, none of this would have happened if a the villagers were, were, would have just been happy with the temple on their end. Like, why do they have to go to the other yeah. temple? God is everywhere, yeah. right? Bhagwan has exactly. And B, if the king had had some meat, all of this would have been exactly. avoidable for the king's dietary issues. All these farmers could have died, and you know, like it's. It, it, yeah. Can you imagine? Like, not, not just diet, dietary issues. I mean, uh, it's always good to try something new. It's good to try uh, something new. I mean, and the, the blame would have come on Amir Khan to say yes, uh, or because he's the one who said yes. He's the one who said we, we should. Yeah. We will yeah. take this bet. The all the villagers yeah. made Amir Khan the villain, but really, it's yeah. the king's fault. I mean, it's, it's the Englishman's fault. He's he's like ob- the obvious gunda of this film. But the king was also, you know, should have just had some meat. Couldn't sacrifice that much. Couldn't sacrifice that much. But just, just to, just a quick uh, this thing. So for, for for people who want to know how to play or want to know what cricket is about, one of our friends actually posted. <laughs> I think you shared a screenshot of the movie or something that we yeah. when you were watching it. One of our friends said that in college, if anyone asked her what cricket was, she would just say, "Go and watch the game." Yeah. So and I think that's perfect because yeah, if you don't understand what I wish there was a baseball movie like that because I don't understand baseball at all because they actually so just to come back to the whole thing they actually break down the sport just to go to the sport yeah. uh, bit a little bit and even though even though yeah you know you know what the ending is going to be you know that it's, you know that it's going to be a tough fight or whatever it is yeah. but they they make they, it's cinematically it's it's rewarding to watch yeah even though it's it's got all the like again it checks all the boxes of the like cliches, a sports yeah. film. Yeah, yeah, but it's still. I think it it works. It works. And and you know what they do is that they they know that the audience watching this film, I, I must also say this generation was because th- there was less opportunity mm. for us to do other things. You know, there was no Netflix. Yeah. Everyone watched a big India cricket game. Everyone they knew the nuances of the game. You know, and there are a lot of tiny winks in this movie that that we would know as a modern watcher of the game. You know, like the the way you get somebody run out by just grazing your hand on yeah. the ball. Yeah. Or, uh, or or yeah, or yeah, or yeah. getting a substitute runner for the injured player, and and there were other like so small moments which were kind of like uh, you know it, it was delightful to watch, because because everyone watched cricket and, and and I mean in a way it's ingenious. I'm surprised no one did it in in a big scale earlier because mm-hmm. the only thing that entertained people more than Hollywood was a live cricket game. Like people would lose it yeah. at, at a big <laughs> cricket game, a big Sachin performance, and so they they they, they rolled it all into one. They made a uh and you know we can talk about that sort of the match itself the last hour of the movie is the match and mm-hmm. i was watching yeah. it in a hall in a single screen theater and people were getting up and cheering as if we were at a stadium you know as if uh, yeah. and and you know in the end it does feel like they they, they have got lost it there are moments which is you know you, you've given up all hope some magical things kind of happen <laughs> but uh, uh it it really had that um the feeling of excitement you know of a match i want to say uh uh 
this was back to back movies or not back to back but uh, close uh, closely spaced movies of amir khan where he had a white woman fall in love with him because rangde basanti mm. happened not that long after mm-hmm. and then also it's a uh, another sports movie amir khan where he sort of there's a girl next door who he might hook up with uh, but he hooks up with the oh, oh no sorry the, the, there's like the hot outsider girl like joji yeah, davis yeah. there that 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 he's yeah. around with but eventually the yeah. girl next door that gets him the girl next door he he, he also oh, by the way just say mangal pande also which of course didn't do as well hmm. uh mangal pande also had had a kind of a love triangle from what i remember i only watched okay. that movie and, and and in that movie um, also was it a white woman that fell in love with amir khan Yes. Yes. So, so, so this is an ongoing. Uh, this is an ongoing way of American showing the world that look, as a brown man, I can get what, whatever race I want. That is, this is the message he's sending out. <laughs> yeah, he, he. I think he has issues, so he should fall. But, uh, but also just a very quick mention about just going back to Lagarde really quickly. It has. It's narrated by Amitabh Bachchan. Amitabh Bachchan, huh? Uh, which actually adds a lot of gravitas. to the yeah. movie especially when it starts uh, and again it's it's something that if you say to somebody who's not watched the movie uh, or doesn't know too much about the movie but knows about indian cinema in general and you say that they'll be like yeah he's done that but at this time you're right he they these this movie actually closed out typical body, bollywood films mm-hmm. of the time but also got a lot of new things in it like this is this is a first proper sports film that was done in india with which didn't uh, look very cheapened it didn't look uh, did you say jo jeeta bhai sekandar it didn't look fake Yeah, I would argue that was probably. I mean, Amir Khan himself had a yeah. Yeah, but what what I mean is like at least on a big scale, like it was a team film which which didn't look cheap, it didn't look very fake. I mean, yeah. I mean, it, is this the greatest it, it, cricket it movie ever? You are a big cricket fan. Is this the the, is this the, the greatest the best cricket? Is the is this the best cricket film ever? Yeah, worth talking about. <laughs> yeah, 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 yes, yes. Yeah, I I would have to say that. I mean, there have been TV series uh, which have been really good, but uh, like Inside Edge was the cricket. Stuff in that is really good, uh, but yeah, as 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 a big film, definitely, it is probably the best uh, cricket film made in India. Even though Amir Khan himself had starred in a very terrible cricket film in the eighties, uh, which was called Awal Number. Awal Number. Awal Number. Uh, Cindy Crawford, where Cindy Crawford is Dev Anand's stepmother, and I am not making this up. You should you should watch this movie, and they actually have a photograph of Cindy Crawford with yeah yeah pool pool mal pool mala on it here. Cindy I mean, Crawford is in the movie. At I mean, least her picture is. Uh, the uh, the Aval number rewatch, if we ever do it, would be just wild because the the themes about the 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 stadium ought to blow up and there's a terrorist on a helicopter and Amir Khan is just like destroying people. That's a whole other trip. <laughs> but uh, but I think we should close out with this. Uh, Pratik, so so did you enjoy rewatching this film in 2021? Did Lagan hold up? I I don't personally think it was good enough to be an Oscar thing because because of the cliches were just. It they just felt too cliched, and you know the the, the religiosity of it was kind of uncomfortable for mm. me. You know, like there was a bit too much of that, mm. but 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 it's definitely entertaining. I think it's definitely one of the most important Indian films ever made. It's definitely entertaining to rewatch. I just don't think it deserves to be like an Oscar contender. Well, most films that that India actually sends to the Oscars, I I always have issues with. Mm-hmm. But having said that, having said that, but you're right. Uh, so rewatching it, I actually. Yeah, I skipped the songs. I skipped uh, a lot. So, uh, but you're right. I mean, it de- definitely does show its age. Mm. Uh, if you watch it today, but uh, again, we I think we have that kind of uh, mindset where we can put ourselves back there and kind of imagine the world back then mm. and this movie coming out. 
and honestly i really wish i really regret not watching it at that time mm. because it probably would have had a different impact but even now it's it's a it's a great film it's an entertaining film and that's what at the end of the day oscar no oscar it is an entertaining film which uh, did some things really well uh, probably could have handled some things better but overall entertaining film and a very very important film for indian cinema definitely uh, uh, just a very quick shout out sorry just a very quick shout out uh, it wasn't up to like uh, ar rahman's brilliance uh, but a couple of great like the score i think was great was amazing uh, few yeah. few songs few songs were really good few songs were, were possible but yeah uh, shout out to ar rahman uh, the greatest composer in indian cinema yeah. and this was our second rewatch of a gracie singh film i don't know if you realize pratik but 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 this this drohi and lagan so she's really been um played major roles in in two equally important films like even desh drohi could have been considered an oscar contender you know i'm just saying it's it's either or it's a toss up right uh, <laughs> but pratik thank you for joining me thank you for rewatching this long film i will catch you soon thank you So I'm here with Adi Manral. Uh, we're going to talk about all the music we've been listening to over the past month or so, uh, and we'll eventually get to our song of the month. But before we do that, Adi, how are you doing? Welcome back to the podcast. I'm doing well, Karan. Uh, uh, out here in Langor, you know, seasons are changing, mm. and so is the music. You know, every every time we keep listening to new music, sometimes old music. Uh, best is to keep going back to what you. already know so mm-hmm. for for me a lot of uh, music is just rediscovering it again uh so when you say doing that a bunch oh, of that when you say seasons are changing do you um you, you know some people just listen to whatever but some people like the season actually affects the kind of music they want to listen to like monsoon has its own feel like there's barish ka music then there's saldi ka music <laughs> there's, there's summer music yeah. do you do you like yeah. um do you access music in that way uh, based on like how cold yes. or warm or rainy it is Like, like, or do you have like? Because for a lot of people, like, summer has a particular feel. Yes, this is a summer song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then this, yeah. this is a winter song. So, so is that how you operate too? Are you are you transitioning towards winter songs now? <laughs> no, not at all. No, I don't think I I make playlists or get into music uh, season wise. It's just mm. whatever comes my way. Yeah. Uh, I know people do that. Uh, a lot of these uh, iTunes and uh, Spotify would do it. uh make a playlist you know a fall playlist and then a winter playlist but i i don't do that and uh, i i i i am conscious about music when uh or maybe i i i do work on a playlist when i know friends are coming so you know if i'm hanging out with you that's when uh, you know you have a playlist for that uh, mm-hmm. sort of a thing like um, you know that that evening will have a playlist of course of course i don't know what do you do you change your music uh, in wise no not so much i mean for me it's just like whatever is new if there's a new album out or there are new songs out by a certain artist i will then just yeah. listen to the new stuff and i'll alternate i will listen to the new stuff for yeah. a while then i'll listen to like i i love the sh- the shuffle of my entire playlist like one of my like i sort of love the randomness of yeah. if i have you know because i'm still kind of old fashioned i don't do the streaming as much i'll i'll still actually download music on my itunes and on my ipod and then just shuffle it because i want to have that you know on my hand yeah um, So so what about yeah. you uh, what have you been listening yeah. to what's been a on a lot of listeners won't know this but but they should know your sorry i was just going to say like how karan listens to his music and and people it will be important for people to know that yeah. you know your your old fashioned but it 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 has to be done in that retro way 
your iPod is uh, always. Uh, I still have know, an like, iPod. I'm it's not connected few... to the speakers. It has a. <laughs> yeah. I'm one of the few people. It, if you're using the speakers of that, I. Yeah. <laughs> I'm one of the last. So you know, there's so much. Still, I, I hope uh, Apple hears this. <laughs> I know. I, I hope they never discontinue the iPod because yeah. you know I, I like to have my phone yeah. and my music separate. I don't like to have my you know if, if if my phone rings or some I need my phone for something else. I don't want to interrupt the music. And then similarly, yeah. if I'm traveling, if I'm in a place like yeah. Landor where the internet isn't great, I don't want the I, I don't want to rely on the internet yeah. for my music access. You know. Right, um, uh, right. Yeah, makes sense. So, so what about you? What's been on your playlist the last month? um well a lot of stuff but i I'll, i'll talk about two things so one is playlist and one is uh, just you know like uh, you know browsing through the internet and instagram yeah. and you come across uh, something fun and i found a, a little boy called gabriel wedder mm-hmm. his name is wedder like uh, you know eddie so wedder. eddie wedder so like, like eddie wedder this 10 year old <laughs> no so he's not related to eddie wedder i don't okay. think so i haven't looked it up mm-hmm. but this is a young 10 year old boy who has a solid voice and this is just like a discovery that i did two days ago he's not a very he's not a big big artist he's just somebody who does uh, you know covers and does whatever reels uh, and, and tags bands uh, like greta van fleet and and solid voice so so you know something fun that i found and if people go check him out it's i think anybody who's interested in in that you know that that's that rock uh, rock sound would would appreciate this this kid's uh, work um but musician wise i i've been listening to a guy called donovan woods he's a canadian uh, canadian artist who does uh, folk and country music and he's really good to his his songs um, like i've been listening to a song called portland maine uh, mm-hmm. iowa and and they they just uh, very very nice music so very soothing something that you can play in the background and and you can work along with that so yeah most of my music is like that now is like you know something that can be played in the background and you can work what about you um so so it seems like you're moving towards the elevator music ki piche chalta rahe you don't have to pay attention type music you know um <laughs> i've been vibing to a lot of um, i've actually con- you know it, i'm a bit late to the party uh, but i'm i'm kind of going back to the back catalog of tame impala like i've really rediscovered oh, them oh really oh nice I mean, yes like they've been uh, i mean uh, he's been relevant now for a decade if not more but yeah. um until recently i'd only heard like the big songs you know um and yeah. but but i'm sort of like i just decide like dude oh, is this guy is a genius and I, so i've been going back and listening to more and more of his music and it's it's really hypnotic it kind of gives me this you know this old fashioned kind of progressive uh, soft music feel i mean whether it's yeah. like the his harder stuff or softer stuff it gives me that old fashioned progressive feel so i've been really into that yeah. um And yeah. of course, listening to like a lot of hip hop as I usually do, you know, listening to the new Kanye mm-hmm. album. I mean, it's not that new anymore, but um, yeah, uh, listening to Baby Keem, I think he's going to be a big star. So, uh, mm. so I think that's sort of been um, that's sort of been on my playlist recently. Nice. Um, yeah. So before we finish, Adi, uh, we should yeah. talk about our song of the month, our, our artist of the month, uh, and you picked yeah. uh, 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 Dot, who's uh, I yes. guess. Uh, she's the, uh, she's Aditi Dot. I think that's her full name, and I think her band yeah. is Dot in the syllables. And you picked her song "This Train," and of course, uh, she's this uh, great young up and coming artist. And you you have a special connection. You've actually known her. You've worked with her before, right? I think 
like 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 special connection in a way that we all cross paths in a way like you know you 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 share the same uh, um you know this, this shared bond that we all have and that's the Woodstock school uh, mm. uh she she's an alumni of Woodstock school graduated from Woodstock um, you you're an alumni from Woodstock school and uh, i i know that dot got very you know like we 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 have a very solid uh, i say we because i work here uh, we have a very solid music program and um, you know one of the very best in the country and uh, i i i have very close friends uh, uh the okies who were the music teachers at that time and uh, he got very influenced in, in, through their teachings and she she has couple of time mentioned their names in the way she crafts music and uh, very theatrical and uh, because okies were also uh, you know like they, they had an element of theater uh, and music all of that was combined in the teaching so so you see a bunch of that and you can relate to it because we we it, it's it's an artist to you know here and has big um but aditi segal is also she has connections to the music scene because like you know amit segal and uh, we 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 never knew while she was in at woodstock we later found out that uh, you know she's uh, amit segal's daughter so that, that was really big news and uh, and not taking away anything from her she's she's extremely talented she was extremely talented when she was a student here and uh, you can see the talent you know just oozing out from her like even if she records a youtube uh, video on her phone or or, or now like her, her whole uh, album commotion uh, commotion i think that's what it it's called it just stands out like so, some of the songs uh, i i might have very loosely mentioned to you earlier that you know there there are some elements of uh, uh queen like freddy mercury like in in some ways in some of the songs interesting uh and and uh, it, the the song that that i picked is uh, is called the train and it's That's just strange. like it's yep. i think it was yeah it it was one of the songs that she picked to kind of uh, be the feature of this whole uh, album and uh, and you can see she has um, so much talent in terms of her writing and and melodies and you know just conducting what that production should look like you know the song uh, changes dynamics uh, mm-hmm. constantly you know it there's a it just gets quiet and then it comes in the end you can hear her in the background uh, vocals as well like she she's talented in that way like you know she's not just um, settling down for keys and vocals you can you can see you can hear that it's all dots like dot is like you know like a trademark in that whole production so um so yeah, yeah the, i thought it, it was such an interesting uh, song to pick yeah the i mean the, the the chorus especially is really groovy um you know the, mm-hmm. they just keep on moving moving or breathing breathing like it's it, it's a very organic chorus in the sense like the first time you hear it i got the feeling that i've heard this before it's one of those songs that yeah. you know i think the, the the best songs tap into that they, they tap into the idea of even though it's something wholly original or wholly new they're able to tap into yeah. an instinctive uh, listening experience that uh, that you might feel you can comp- relate to it almost immediately you know um right uh, the, the video is also really creative for the song i think she had a bunch of her followers and mm-hmm. her fans who uh, who filmed themselves in, in trains automobiles bikes auto rickshaws and they sort of it was like a video in motion um and and the party mentioned you know how in the end it sort of uh, changes its groove a little bit it 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 becomes mm-hmm. a quieter song and then it kind of rises rises as you mentioned theatrically again um i, I think she mentioned she's uh, she is inspired by fiona apple too right like is that do you see that inspiration and i saw it on her um, 
I mean, I saw it on her Facebook that that Fiona was one of her inspirations. Do you do you see that kind of connection in her music? I I feel like a lot of uh, indie musicians uh, share that influence. Like um, at least in India, like a lot of people who have um, some sort of a folk element, but also indie in in a sense, they 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 do share that uh, you know that that influence. I I I'm not sure if I hear it directly. I hear more of a classical element in a. in her in her songs um, like you know like, like i said like queen that would just combine everything a- into their music like you know there is jazz there is rock there is everything and and it's hard to really put songs of dot into any category right now like i i i'm curious like what kind of a genre does she say because i haven't done this like i haven't checked it like what genre does she fit in um, she might call herself pop or i don't know what what she calls it uh, because there's some jazz influence in it as well and um, but but yeah yeah but but to answer your question i uh, i don't know i i i i can't i can't tell if i hear that well uh, we'll let our listeners decide i guess uh, so here's the song right. the one that adi you chose is called this train by dot
big thank you to all the guests for joining us today and of course to all the listeners who have tuned in i hope you have enjoyed this episode please check us out on the chakkar.com and we are on facebook on instagram and twitter at the chakkar until next time chakkar ghumte raho